You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to shiver. You know, I don't want them to be like, they know what I'm going to say because it's polite. They know what I'm going to say. And even if I get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? That Ain't that what we're supposed to do? It's, I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. to have personal responsibility, political accountability, and corporate culpability. Get up, get up, get up, get up, get up, get up, get up. We must eliminate poverty. I don't care what color the person or child Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, and welcome to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We are the return of intelligent radio as we ensure the free flow of opinions and push the envelope on the questions America's afraid to ask in the mainstream media. Good morning to all the truth seekers out there. I would say I'm in this thing solo, but I have a couple of special guests that are going to hold me down for this morning's discussion question. Love and hip-hop, why I wasted a decade chasing love. Um, so I'll go ahead and get our special guest introduced, and we'll always, always, we'll start with the lady, the queen, if you will, Stephanie Nicole, if you will, say hello to the truth seekers, and give us a little bit of your background, uh, and glad to have you with us. This is your first time as one of our guests. So thank you, Queen, for being with us, and I hope you're having a good morning, and let's do this thing. Oh, thank you. Yes, I just realized it is my first time. I always listen, but never a guest. Oh, my name is um, Stefana Nicole. I am a talent acquisition strategist. I own a recruitment agency. Um, I am located here in Atlanta. Um I am single, and so I am looking forward to this conversation and debunking the myth on um, why women are single. Hey, I love it. Thank you for bringing that perspective to the table. Stefana Nicole, glad to have you with us. And returning guest, my man, yeah, Sasa Ekpo. How you doing, King? Thank you for being with us again with us this morning. If you will, say hello to the Truth Seekers and give people a little bit of your background as well. Hey, good morning, Matoya. Thank you for having me again. My name is Yeh Sasa Ekpo. Um, I'm just a business owner. I own a logistics company, and I bring a more of an African practical concept to the uh, the dynamic conversation that can bring, I feel like, can bring more of a stable, more um, organic aspect and make things a lot more simpler for everybody when it comes to that, the love and everything. 
Now, I love it. Again, glad to have you with us. Again, this morning's discussion question, love and hip-hop, why I wasted a decade chasing love. So I will admit this show is a little personal to me, and we're going to delve in and out of it from, you know, from some of my own life experiences and seeing how it applies to what we're seeing today. Uh, You know, there's an idea, in my opinion, and, you know, definitely would like to get y'all three cents on it as well. Uh, there's an idea that we've in a, over-romanticized love uh, in the last 60 to 70 years, if you will, and specifically to our hip-hop generation. As I promoted this show, I say, hey, uh, I'm the exact same age as hip-hop, so I grew up heavy, hot, and heavy in this generation. And, um, you, know, we're not, it's, you know, it's not something that just hip-hop did in a sense. The culture, the American society, Western culture, in a sense, has romanticized love. Uh, it's not that, you know, love is a bad thing, but just the way that it's been romanticized in relationships, uh, I think it may, in my opinion, may have come to our detriment. And then within the hip-hop culture, I think there's been some unhealthy ways that we've romanticized it, you know, when it comes to specifically relationships and even how we pursue our dreams and how that all adds and comes together, if you will. And so, again, a little personal to me, and I'll be admitting how I lost a decade, in a sense, chasing love. Uh, but, you know, before we can, before I give my story and y'all can focus on me, I'm going to go back to you, Stephanie. And so the first question I'd like to ask when we start our show, uh, when you heard this question, uh, can you give me your first thought that came to mind without going too in-depth, but just the first initial thought when I said, you know what, Stephanie, like you said, long-time listener, uh, but I want to bring you on the show to give you perspective uh, love and hip-hop why I wasted a decade chasing love what's the first thing that came to your mind it speaks to really how women waste their time looking for love instead of looking for themselves okay first so that's what came to your mind all right sounds good that's a good initial thought if you will yeah same question to you again this is just how we typically start i just like to hear how the question i use the question typically for marketing purposes if you will but i always like to in a sense understand how the question hit if if you will so when you heard the question labeled that way what was the first thing that came to your mind uh this is gonna hit close to home for a lot of people all right, cool. First stop. So speaking of hitting close to home, uh, you know, so let me kind of dab into again, you know, why I in particular worded it this way, uh, why I wasted a decade chasing love. And as I kind of alluded to uh, over the last so many years within American society or Western culture, there's been this idea of how we've, in a sense, romanticized love. And I can tell you as a young boy, I, to a degree, bought it hook, line, and sink. Uh, I grew up watching, you know, different movies and hearing, you know, grew up, you know, I'm, you know, at 47, I, I, I transitioned between the, you know, the R&B years into the hip hop years. So of course, I was raised on, you know, Marvin Gaye and and my, with my mother and everything, Teddy Pendergrass and all that love music. You know, just the things that the culture just understanding love and and, and wanting to experience love, and so it became something that, in a sense that, you know, that I chased uh, very heavily. And um, in, in, in chasing love and wanting that desire, I I kind of was what you would call, especially as a young kid, and this is really prior to knowing anything about relationships, but as a young man, uh, you, know, prior, you know, almost entering into my teenage years, to a degree, uh, I was, in a sense, the nice guy, if you will, right? And so as a nice guy, uh, I had a concept of, you know, this is how you treat women. And I would kind of, I learned it from the movies, if you will. And so I would 
you know, want to be a gentleman, whatever that meant for you as a little kid, even prior to really being able to date anybody. Uh, but, you know, the hormones start running around 11, 12, 13, so you already get a little interest in girls and things of that nature. But I remember this one particular situation, again, these are just little things in my life that, that I hope we can weave between and make it relate to the day. But as a young man, I remember one of the first girls I liked, I remember it was me and another guy. We really we stayed, we pretty much expressed our interests. We were hanging out. I was hanging out in the projects, if you will, for whatever that means in a little small country town. Not the not New York. So when I, people say projects, I'm talking about two story projects, not the fifty story projects that you see in New York. But again, in my little town, this is what we call the projects. And so I was hanging out in the projects, expressing that I liked this girl. And this other young man was expressing at the same time. So, she, so to an extent, to an, to an extent, she's had to choose between us since we both expressed interest. And she ended up telling one of her friends that she likes me, but I was too nice. And so since I was too nice, she chose the other guy who wasn't as nice. And so I wrote, I like to write pieces. And I remember I wrote about this one time and I literally said from that moment, I, I learned a lesson that being nice at least that's what I thought I learned in my head at that age, that being nice doesn't work to catch the girl. So in my heart, I wanted to be this nice guy, all lovey-dovey, but it did not work to my advantage as a young man. So just wanted to kind of give that little initial backdrop and tell you to, to let people know kind of how my story goes because at the end of the day, I still ended up chasing love even though I took that note um, that I was too nice. And then hip-hop came along and reaffirmed that I shouldn't be nice. So we're going to go to the break and play some cuts, and some of the cuts are going to include, since I called it Love and Hip-Hop, we're going to lose a little Love and Hip-Hop. Um, that show is a little backdrop of some other cuts. So as y'all are listening, again, thank y'all both for being on with me, but as you're listening, pay attention to the cuts because I think they'll help lead into this discussion, Love and Hip-Hop, Why I Wasted a Decade Chasing Love. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show where all I ask is that you think. For anybody out there listening, we're going to let y'all get y'all stories in today as well, so please give us a call at 646-787-1691, and we want to hear your stories as well. We'll be right back, where all I ask is that you think. When I'm alone in my room, sometimes I stare at the wall and in the back of my mind I hear my conscience call telling me I need a girl who's as sweet as a dove. For the first time in my life, I see I need love. There I was, giggling about the games that I had played with many hearts and I'm not saying no names. Then the thought occurred, tear drops made my eyes burn. Cause I said to myself, look what you've done to her. I can feel it inside, I can't explain how it feels. All I know is that I never dish another raw deal. Playing make-believe, pretending that I'm true. Holding in my lap as I say that I love you Saying a more, kissing If you are a small business owner Do you and your accountant implement a tax strategy To pay quarterly taxes throughout the year? Or do you wait until the end of year during tax season To write off all expenses to lower your taxable income? If this is you, stop Call Bennett Tax and Accounting today with over 15 years of experience working with major companies, this boutique firm has opened up to show small business owners how to strategize like the major companies and position themselves for growth with not only effective tax strategies, but also specializing in new business formation, bookkeeping services, cash flow management, payroll, and business evaluation to secure bank financing. Basically, all the things you need but have kept putting off. But those days are over. 
Bennett Tax and Accounting to the rescue. Contact them at 770-545-2145 and ask for run. Again, 770-545-2145 and let them save you from yourself. happy these days? Decent. Decent? Yeah. Because I can tell when you look at me and when you talk to me and when you smile at me, it's like real blank space with us right now. A real gray area that we got to fill in. What are we going to do about the gray area? That would be a question that I would ask you. Get some crayons. Get some Eva's crayons. <laughs> fill it in. Fill it in. I can't believe I'm saying this. But ever since Stevie kicked Jocelyn out of the house, the three of us have been spending more time together, and life is drama-free. But if Stevie thinks he's going to add some color to our relationship, he's in Never Never Land. Green works. It's that easy. I mean, yeah, everything is easy what if you make it. Well, green works? Yeah. What does that mean? I mean, green works. Oh. You something? Don't be, don't, mm, mm, mm. you believe that money fixes everything that does not. It fixes 89.95. Well, the other percentage, if Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Soccer Team Special Guest, Stefana Nicole, as well as, yeah, Sasa Ekpo. For this morning's discussion question, love and hip-hop, why I wasted a decade chasing love as we hear a cut uh, from the infamous Stevie J for those uh, who are familiar with the Love and Hip-Hop series. And I start there uh, because as you hear in that cut, and we'll start with you again, um, Stephanie, as you hear in that cut, uh, you hear... Uh, Stevie just offering, in a sense, how he sees money, if you will, to kind of fix issues. And um, I think that's, in my opinion, a good place to start because as we, in a sense, as young people try to figure out this relationship thing, um, men specifically, uh, sometimes we uh, confuse the use of money and love and what they mean within our relationships, especially if we're fortunate enough, in my opinion, to get our hands on a, a decent amount of money before we even understand the concept of moving in relationships. So, you know, just as you hear those thoughts, uh, you know, as you hear that cut, uh, what are some of your thoughts um, in, in your opinion, Queen? I mean, it's just typical. A lot of women, those women, I hate, and for one, let me start by saying this, I hate loving hip-hop. I think that show is just, detrimental to the black community, but that's another topic another time. Um, that's why a lot of women stay. They stay in it. Those type of women stay in those relationships because of money. Because let's be honest, if they didn't have money, most women wouldn't stay in those relationships. You're not going to stay in a relationship where he is openly cheating, brings the woman into the home, and then remove, and then suggests that you be a quote-unquote poly family together and then when you don't agree, move the woman out, and now y'all good all of a sudden? No. It's not for – you can say you love that person, but there has to be a deeper reason why you would stay in that type of dysfunction. And most of the time it's rooted in money. 
Yeah. Any thoughts again for this morning's discussion question? How, what do you what do you hear out of that cut? And again, I just offered as a as a you know my perspective as a man. We we struggle sometimes of in a sense how money could be used or should be used in relationships. And in my opinion, especially if we come into that money before we mature into understanding relationships, is my thought for why that might happen. Not trying to necessarily make an excuse, but that's my thoughts for why that happens. But you know, what are you hearing that cut? I think um, you he represents a lot of guys who, you know, when I listen to what to how you look story back when you was young and listen to that cut where they never developed like they were supposed to. They wanted they wanted love, didn't go didn't know how to go about it the right way. So they just learned like you said, they just learned through other avenues. And so now that he's a man, he's basically thinking that money fix or counter all the other areas in his life he did not make up for. And think he can just lead like that, and a woman's supposed to just agree with it, you know. And I think that that's detrimental right there when you haven't really had proper cultivation, and you get into that position, you end up doing more harm than good to yourself and to those women you come in contact with. Absolutely. I mean, I agree with you, Stephanie. Stephon, I'm sorry, in the sense of, um, as you said, um, I'm not a fan of love and hip hop at all. I, 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 I can't. I, I wish if I had, if I could wave a wand, I would get rid of the show immediately, if you will, or whatever. And so, you know, don't necessarily care who, who feelings it hurts. However, again, we will be highlighting some of the cuts because I think some of the things we see on that show have become a reality again in this hip-hop generation and so for me personally again i say why i wasted a decade chasing love so i gotta in a sense tell my story so to a degree i went the opposite route over stevie j and and i wasn't and 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 to a degree had i come into money at an early age maybe i would have been more similar if you will or whatever again that's just my uh, assessment of seeing what I call access to money before you, as Yale said and I've said, before you mature. So I, I actually went the opposite route in, in a sense because I thought, as I explained in my story, because I thought being the nice guy wouldn't necessarily get to the women or whatever at heart, still being one, but in a sense, I picked up on how, in a sense, not to appear that way, if you will, um, in order to catch women. And it, once it started working, I kind of bought into that persona. But I also bought into this persona because some of this immaturity, in my opinion, where it comes from, with this hip-hop generation, I also unfortunately label label us as the first fatherless generation. And, and I simply mean that just from the degree of uh, event, while we've had, a, in a sense, a, a long history now with the, in a sense, number of outlet out of wedlock births in our community, we are, in a sense, that first generation where it started being normal, if you will, uh, to, to I, I don't know if I should say normal, but in other words, we started having more than 50% of our children born in that manner. And so we're kind of that first generation where that threshold was pe- crossed. And so, so where did we learn it? 
where did we learn how to be in our relationships? We learned it in the streets. Like my little example of being hurt in the projects determined, in a sense, which direction I was going to go. And I can admit that being able to hear the two shorts of the world and, and NWA has just started hitting not too long after that. I was already a two short fan. But I can admit that that mu- music influenced me because, I hey, my nice guy approach didn't work. And so here I am. I'm going to take on you know, to a degree, some level of this persona that I hear in this music, and again, I'm having some success. And when I say I went the opposite route, whereas a Stevie J threw around money, what I learned in my little country town in the streets, the cats that was the quote-unquote best players or most players, we actually had the concept of we wanted to spend the least amount of money to, to get into that to our relationships and so we with the exact opposite and so the goal for us whereas he would throw money around our goal literally was literally to think okay I want to deal with this woman and I want to spend the least amount of money I, to the degree I'm going to say this kind of harsh comment but this is something that I that I lived probably to right after college, before I started maturing into, and even then I didn't just immediately drop this, but I, I learned this concept, and I want to hear what both of you think of it. And this, and literally, I, I went to college saying this, and my friends were even taken aback by it to a degree, but it was something I had learned in my country town, and I lived it out. We had this concept that pussy and water was free. Like, we literally used to say that in the streets, and I literally dealt with sisters and would not take them out on dates, wouldn't spend money if I could avoid it. I stayed that way through college, except for when I got a girlfriend and I would break down and give her everything. But if if she wasn't my girl, my goal was not to spend any money. So I went the exact opposite. When you hear that thought, um, Stephanie, what comes to mind? Oh, man, that's deep. Um, but so many people are like that. So many men are like that when it comes to dating, even now. Um, they feel as though there is no no work that they have to put into it. They feel as though there's nothing that they feel like women are free for all. And I see it every day on social media, and it's really sad. But it, as a parent, it makes you think on what your children consume and how it shapes and molds them. So for that instance, it makes me now want to even further be more, I don't think I could be even more involved in my daughter's life than I am because I'm <laughs> always up for but But now it's going to be like, okay, I need to listen to what you're consuming, what you're doing, and then I need to talk to you about it. And that's another thing that's missing. I think because you were, you were pro because you listened to that type of information. No one ever sat and talked to you about it. No one ever sat and talked to you and tried to understand why you thought the way you thought. You just thought because that's what was given to you that that's what you were supposed to do. So I think the key element is being so involved in our children's lives to where we talk about certain things to prevent damaged and broken people out in this world. Yeah, that's you, I mean, you know, you, yeah, 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 no, absolutely. Thank you for those thoughts. Yeah, any thoughts to, again, a concept that I literally went to college and bragged about and thought cats was lame if they did it any other way. Like, that's how much I took that persona on 
again, partly from the music and partly with the guys that I ran with, you know, throughout my years. And I and I would, you know, I will say this: if if I liked someone or had a girlfriend, I would treat her different than all others. But if she what if a girl wasn't that, I literally live try to live that out in my young mind. Any thoughts, brother? Yeah, I would say. I mean, yeah, the the that's it's harsh that statement, but it's a reality because if as a boy growing up, you, you wasn't taught how to value that, and the men around you wasn't taught how to value that. Then that's what is going. Then you you're gonna be influenced by those other avenues who don't put value on it. Also, the women in your area, you know, if they wasn't taught to value it, so they're they're not gonna make a man value it or make you have to work for it. So it's like it's, it's where you you saw it work because both sides never was taught from home how how to value the pussy and the dick. And when both sexes, genders, are not taught how to value those things, you, grow, you, you have situations where you can have that mindset as a man and still get it. And so it reinforces it. And then that's where you a lot of hip-hop guys, you know, fatherless guys teaching that. Uh, fatherless and, you know, women and sometimes not even having mothers at the home to even teach them that and they reinforce it and then you grow up into your into your adult life with that mindset. So it it, 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 it is it is sad to be honest. Um and I and I don't think it's 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 something that really hits close to home because this stuff runs very deep in the community. And let me tell you also, again, you that's what we do on the show. We're trying to go deep. Oh, go ahead, Stephanie. I'm Mr. Stephon. I'm sorry. Go no, I, I just, the, you're fine, dear. Um, if, to me, you were a damaged person going around damaging other people. You went in with a broken concept on how you should treat women and how you should treat relationships. And not only were you damaged, but then you went into college damaging other people. Because then I'm pretty sure there are some women that took to heart that the way that you treated them, if they weren't your girlfriend, is how they're supposed to be treated. And so now all you did was create more damage. Not knowing, but that's essentially what you were doing. And even yeah, when you were with them, even when you were with the women that were your girlfriends, and you're like, well, when I was with them, I gave them my all. But that's not healthy either because you're not supposed to just go into a relationship just giving everything from the very beginning. This is not how you do it. You, there wasn't a balance. You were extreme. It was either you got nothing or you got it all. And so, again, even in your mind, you felt, well, you're my girl. I'll give you everything. That still wasn't good either. Now, I respect it because, again, this is what we do on this show. We try to go a little deeper. And so just kind of um, – going through, and, and because I, believe it or not, because I still had that nice guy in my heart, check, my outlet would be my best, I always kept a, a woman as a best friend, right? And, 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 it, and it was just so that I would understand, in a sense, women that I was deal, dealing with, so I would go to my best friend, talk to her, and, you know, try to understand women better. Uh, but she, that's where I would express that side of me, because that was, at heart, 
I'm putting on a persona, if you will, right? I'm putting on a persona because this is what I'm learning through the culture from other guys. But that part of me, my best friend girl, would be that outlet. So I would treat my best friend girl better than any woman because she was my best friend. And there was no, you know, there was nothing I was trying to, quote, unquote, gain, right? No, nothing to conquer there. And so she would, my best friend would be my outlet and then, quote, unquote, if a woman earned her way to my girlfriend's status, then then that's when I would shower that that nice guy because I realize now, especially years later, and this stuck with me for a lot of years because here's another thing that hip-hop teaches you in, in, in trying to understand this. One of the main things that you hear in the music um, is don't trust people and especially don't trust women. And so ultimately what was going on for me was I wanted to try to reserve that nice guy showering, if you will, for the one, quote, unquote, who could earn my trust. And so because, you feel me, because I was so distrusting, never realizing, and to be honest with you, that happened as a young man, I probably didn't come full circle on that part until I was about 35. Like, how did I expect someone to, in a sense, deal with me and I'm being so distrusting. And and what I would, this is what I would do was I always kept my word. I always, always kept my word, but I can look back on it now and realize that I did that, but still scrutinizing others and not trusting them. If, if, if that makes sense, it was like I was, I was, being trustworthy, saying, hey, this is what I need back, so let me show you, but I still would be um, distrusting. I wasn't a possessive guy when I say distrusting. I wasn't that guy at all. I was pretty um, lenient in comparison to that. I just wanted you to keep your word, and so it was like when I could find someone that I felt was honest, that's who I would be more willing to not take that approach that I just told you about. Uh, we got like a minute before the break. If you want to give a quick thought to that, then we'll go to break and kind of move us in a different direction. I get a little more deeper into my older life when I really started chasing love and what that looked like, even with this mindset. Um, any thoughts on that real quick, Queen, before I go to break? No, go ahead. All right, sounds good. So we're going to go to another break. This one is from Love and Hip Hop, and it's also going to think it's going to take us in a big, different direction. So if y'all just tune in real close, uh, for anybody that wants to get in, the number is six four six seven eight seven one six nine one. Again, that's six four six seven eight seven one six nine one. Press one to let us know you want to speak. For a whole year, I've been able to keep the women in my life apart, but now everything's blowing up in my face. Tierra think the way to fix it is for us all to sit down and hash things out. I think that's the craziest I ever heard in my life. Yes, yeah, I'm mad at Tommy for fighting Tierra, but right now, honestly, I'm afraid of losing my son. So I'm here to do everything in my power so I can fix things and see my son. Who is it? Come find out. I left it up to Scrap to handle his business and tell his baby mother about me, but he was too chicken to handle it, so now he got me and his girl fighting in the club. I come in peace. Oh. I'll spend my money on that. Okay. I mean, what the does he want from me? You want to get back with your baby mother? I'm not going to stop you. Team that. 
What do you need, Scott? What do you, you need? You see me calling? Why you ain't answering the phone? Yes, I'm not in a phone answering mood. Now you don't want to talk. No, I don't want to talk. Your baby mother threw a drink at me. I'm sure she didn't just throw a drink on you for no reason. She threw a drink on me because you didn't handle what the you were supposed to handle. I already spoke to her. She asked me about Tommy. I told her about Tommy. I told what? you who what? you were what? and who you are to me. And we've been in a relationship. That's what I told her. But who the f I look like? Who the f fool? You told you me you wanted to say You think you're going to bring some up flowers, some pink ass mother Flowers and everything gonna be on my can't, can't nobody tell me where and how to go. I didn't come to fight. You just need some time. You ready to talk? Call me anytime, all right? Okay? Well, let me lock you out because I just was like, what the f is she? I remember she came to me like she so smooth. Tommy may be the craziest woman I ever met in my life, but that's what I like about it because she loves hard. And right now, I ain't really trying to let her go. You got me f***ed up. I want you to cry. I'm gonna cry about a lot of shit. Don't let this be one of them. Alright. Yes. Why you wanna ask me a question you don't wanna know the answer to? I know if I leave here without getting Tommy to agree to sit down with Tierra, I know I won't be able to see my son. So all I can do is lay everything out on the line. Tommy knows how much my son means to me. So if she's not willing to sit down for me, maybe she'll do it for King. Tommy, listen. You asked me a question, I was honest. You're a liar. You re- you you get loyalty and lying confused. I'm supposed to have my baby, but I don't got him because of the situation y'all went through. So we need to sit down, me, you, and Tierra. I don't need y'all fighting. Do you want to deal with me without Tierra? Yep, I'm good. I'm not trying to give up the last year of my life over some baby mama who can't possibly give Scrat what I give him. Do you love me, Scrat? Well, I, I, you just asked me that the other, other day. Asking you today. Even if I say that, let my actions show that, all right? Because them three words ain't with no verb put to it. How could I not ask questions? Scrap says one thing, does another. It's obvious that he's been lying to me and for God knows how long. And it's like I feel like I'm being betrayed by somebody who I love with all my Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Soccer Tees, special guest for Fun and Nicole, as well as Yaya Soccer Sir for this morning's discussion question, Love and Hip Hop, Why I Wasted a Decade Chasing Love, as we hear another cut uh, from some of the cast members on that show. As it's, I think it's pretty evident from the cut, um, you know, a guy trying to navigate between two sisters and, and, and basically says he likes this woman because she loves her hard. And um, again, we're talking about this idea of chasing love coming up in this hip-hop generation. Uh, but I think it's, you know, just as I had my misunderstanding of innocence, how to treat a woman, uh, I think I hear a lot of misunderstanding of what they consider love uh, in that cut. Where, you know, he loves her because she loves hard and, and she's saying she don't want to give him up because she loves him, you know, loves him with all, all her heart. Um, Stephanie, I'll start with you again as the queen of the show this morning. Uh, any thoughts on that cut? Um, in, in reference to how we see love in today's times, that was that was hard to listen to. That that has to be like the most toxic thing ever to to rationalize why you would do something like that. Like so, he's with her. He's in a relationship with one young lady, but he has a a son with someone else. He may or may not be messing around with that. But in order for you to see your son, you have to get those two together and 
they don't like each other for whatever reason, and, and she's upset, and you have to basically manipulate her in order for her to act like a decent human being so you can see your child and be around the mother of your child. It was just too much. It was too much. But people think, but people love the dramatics. Um, they think that people, they think that when a woman or a man acts like that, that they love them. That And that's, that's the breakdown. You actually think if a person acts like that, they love you, and you take that as a reason to be with them, that's dysfunctional. That's dysfunctional. But to show you that our society, you know, they promote and encourage dysfunction as a healthy relationship when it's not. Yeah. Um, it, I have to agree with her. It, it's very dysfunctional, um, and it, it just keeps bringing me back to where cause we have a saying in Africa, you know, that if a child didn't see it at home, they will not see it outside. So they don't see something to give them guidance as they go out into the world, then the world will be what guides them. And it just it really brings that proverb to home listening to that because you grew up you can grow up seeing dysfunction or being taught dysfunction, not being told how to separate, then you're gonna actually love it, embrace it and see it as it's healthy. And that's why so many people can relate to this stuff in today's society because this is what they saw growing up. And it's normal. If you try to say otherwise to them, they see you as crazy, and it and it really needs to take a turn because this, this, you, you can't build anything from a personal perspective. You you just destroying yourself. The kids who are born into that, they're growing up dysfunctional, and it's like you just it's a perpetuation, you know. So it's, it's really sad. Yeah, Jordan Peterson talked about, um, in a sense, why we as humans do that. And yeah, I think you definitely given the background and the environment that you know, that in a sense, adds to it, and you've seen it. Uh, but what he ends up saying is, um, a lot of times, especially if if your parent, in a sense, whether one or both of your parents, whatever, express some sentiments of dysfunction in this manner, so you know your parents are supposed to provide for you, um, but to, to a degree, some of their own. Um, dysfunction when it comes to relationships can play out with you as a child. And so what happens is um, what he says is the psychology of it is you familiarize that dysfunction as love. And so that's why you are here. The guy, as he said in there, he thinks that she loves hard. And, and if it wasn't clear, the context that they actually had gotten into a fight um, the two ladies over him prior to that cut, just to give a little more backdrop. And so uh, you start to familiarize that th- those type of dysfunction was love. And so when somebody comes along, quote unquote, you know, I'll say, you know, as a man, the nice guy, um, it doesn't appear to be love because it's unfamiliar. So you actually will resort and go back to what's familiar versus someone who's actually coming at you functionally because that doesn't appear to be, doesn't have the, you know, in a, you know, in a sense, um, 
um, you know, what you're used to. I know I found for myself, uh, um, speaking of, you know, how, how you said, Stephanie, that it was dysfunctional that I treated, you know, the ones that it wasn't my girlfriends one way and then treated my girlfriend another way. The funny thing is, um, the first sister that be, in a, the sister that became my girlfriend in college, um, I kind of dealt with her on the first level for a couple of years, and when I finally, in a sense, trusted her enough to actually get in a relationship, if you will, you know, that's when I poured it on. And she used to constantly one of the running jokes while we were together was, "This is just all the money I used to spend on you." the first two years. Like, so don't, you ain't doing nothing. Like that's what she used to literally say, because I would do wonderful things for her once I quote unquote trusted her. However, what I found even in eventually choosing her over time, um, and given what I just said as an example, what I had come to understand in a sense, as a sense of love was I had this idea of, of in a sense, helping someone out of their situation or saving them. And so based on, in a sense, a lot of the dysfunction that was in her life, I eventually moved in her life with the idea of, quote, unquote, saving her, which is what, you know, goes against everything you're told in hip-hop, right? And, um, and part, But again, because it went against what I was told in hip-hop, I p- took two years to date her, whereas I had those feelings probably a year and a half in, but I was too damage to to own up to it like she was saying let's get serious and i was like i was literally saying no no i'm not getting serious holding on to this ain't this ain't what quote unquote players do they don't get serious and i was even going as far as telling her to in a sense date another guy that i that i in a sense that i had heard about or knew that was after and i was like well he he's gonna be better for you than me i literally was telling her that and unfortunately, she dated that guy, and he was abusive. Like I've never been abusive to a woman, you know, in, in you know, in that sense. But I was holding to this persona, and then eventually, I finally gave in, and and, and still, years later, realized I was trying to save one who someone who had been through much much more damage and much more dysfunction than I had ever experienced, and so because of that familiarity. And so when we talk about chasing love in the day's time, if we never see it correctly, if we don't come to recognize it, we can do that for a lifetime. Any thoughts on that, um, Stefana? I would say. Oh, go ahead. Whew. You said a lot. Um, and I've said this before, you know, in you know private conversations. We're used to trauma. Trauma's familiar, right? You understand how it moves. Um, you understand how I operate. So with that, it's no surprises. So we get comfortable in our trauma, um, and that's what we look for in relationships. That's why you see so many women with this whole ride-or-die concept because they understand that, right? They understand what a dude that really doesn't care or isn't really doing all that he should because he has, quote-unquote, potential. So with that potential, it leads to dysfunction and it leads to traumatic experiences that we get comfortable in being in, not realizing that's what it is. And so we go from one relationship to the next because you're like, hey, I've been in that type of relationship before. I get that. I know where he's going to do. I know how this is going to go. But hopefully this time it will be better because I can change him or I can see the potential in him. And if he sees how much I'm willing to, quote, unquote, ride for him, then he will change. 
again, just repeating the cycle of dysfunction and, you know, toxic and traumatic relationships. And then when you get finally, and then when you get tired of it, now that you've spent years going through it, you're like, you know what, I'm done, I'm tired, I want something new. But then when that new good guy comes around, you don't want it because it's not familiar. You don't understand how to be in a relationship with him. You don't understand how to, if you have a disagreement, to sit down and have a conversation about it without yelling, fussing, screaming, or even throwing things or being physical in some ways because that was something that you were never used to. And you thought that how you were in relationships before was how you were supposed to move and function. And then when he resists, you're like, oh, well, something must be wrong with him, not understanding that the problem is you. And so it's just one of those things where we have to understand and call out dysfunctional relationships, toxic relationships, and say that that's not how it's supposed to be. If a person repeatedly yells, screams, throws things at you, that it's not a healthy relationship. If someone repeatedly, you know, cheats on you and is unfaithful to you, that is not, and you guys did not agree on having an open relationship. Let me put that out there. If you guys did not agree from the beginning that your relationship is open and he can do that and you can do that, that is not, those aren't healthy relationships. Those are toxic. And people hate using the word toxic and dysfunction, but how else would you categorize it? So once we learn that these are not normal or healthy Concepts on being in relationship, then we can move forward. That's my piece. Now, now it makes sense. We're actually up against another break, so we'll go to the break. Do see somebody out there on the line? If you want to get in, press one to let us know you want to speak. If you're online and want to get in on this morning's discussion, six four six seven eight seven one six nine one. Again, it's six four six seven eight seven one six nine one. You have to press one to let us know you want to speak. We'll be right back. But all I ask. Is that you think? Hey, where did you get that hat and t-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes, and I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit, and what I like the most It's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Or how about this one? Excuses made $0 an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact... Pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. Everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk, talk. They still go with me. Because I look like money. Smell like money. Talk like money. Even walk like money. That ain't saying nothing against hip-hop. It's just I'm old school to my heart. I ain't converting over. So you know what hip-hop don't do? See? Hip-hop don't sing about love no more. Nope. Without love, your ass is lacking major shit in your life. You punk ass running around talking about... Should we just be friends? Should we draw a line? Should we seize the time? 
Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Soccer Tea Special Guest, Stefano Nicole, as well as Yaya Soccer Egg Poe for this morning's discussion question. Love and hip-hop, why I wasted a decade chasing love as you hear one of my favorite cuts of all time by Raheem Devon, where I need to, where I stand, where do I need to stand in your life? And as you, if you heard the words in that cut, he said, you know, lovers or friends would come into that space. You know, where, where where do I stand? And so I'm going to fast forward my own story into my 30s. And this is the decade in which I chase love to my detriment, if you will. And so in hearing some of my own dysfunction and, of course, sharing some of the love and hip-hop dysfunction, if you will. But in hearing that, um, the first time I listened, I shouldn't say listen to that song, but the first time I was I shouldn't say first time, but I will say the time that it meant the most of in that position, becoming someone's friend, and then moving into something, say, hey, you know, what is this? Well, the unfortunate reality for me is I faced that with someone that I had become friends with while married to someone. And so up until this point in my life, I would deal with sisters and I had, you know, a couple of girlfriends on the, along the way. Or again, I poured into those girlfriends, really loved them, if you will. Um, but for the most part, I spent a lot of my life avoiding relationships again, because I took on this persona and because I didn't quote unquote want to trust women, or, you know, whatever. And like I said, never a possessive guy, but just my perspective was that since I'm not really wanting to trust them, I would only give my heart to the quote unquote right ones. And so in doing that, coming up in this era, what was always included in dealing with relationships was the sex got involved very soon. Um, you know, a couple of girlfriends, two once became my girlfriends. Maybe they held out a little longer than most, if you will. But eventually sex was involved very soon. And so me admitting um, in my 30s, entering into, or, or, as, I, or as I'm saying right now, with on the precipice of entering into a quote-unquote adulterous relationship, it was the first time I had experienced really being friends with someone and actually feeling the emotion of love strictly through a friendship. So, again, quite dysfunctional. I'm willing to admit it, but it starts the journey of chasing love in a dysfunctional way. So, again, opening up my own personal story, again, I'll, um, well, yeah, I'll go to you um, coming out of break. Um, just any thoughts, because, again, this is something that I've learned from later in life. Wish I would have understood it from a younger age, and we'll get into that as we go through this decade, if you will. But I have to make that a part of this story if I'm going to tell, you know, part of the story of how I chase love in a way that was detrimental. Any thoughts to what you're hearing? Again, being my first time experiencing a true friendship and feeling love prior to sexual relationships. Um, I would say that we sound like someone who didn't who didn't learn to love themselves. And when you haven't learned to love yourself, you try to go looking for it in, in, in what they say all the wrong places. And that creates where you have people who will be in situations where they where they'll tell you they found love but the manner which they found love was in a in a what you might say a dysfunctional environment. 
because all they're trying to do really at the core of it is try to love themselves. Now let me and throw this out because I, I, I don't I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't I'm, say that's but, wrong per se, but let me just throw this out real quick. And and, and maybe it's maybe mm-hmm. a lack of understanding that I have, but I don't I don't know if that part was ever my issue as far as how I, in a sense, love myself. What was unique was being a friend with someone for a a, a year's time, in a sense, before delving into, like I said, the part I shouldn't have delved into. And so I'm just telling you, at least in my mind, what I think happened for me was just that uniqueness of respecting and getting to know someone and like, wow, I, I, I love this because my prior love, I had sex before I found, figured out that I loved them. And so I think, I'm just saying, I think that was the bigger difference. But like I said, maybe there were some parts of me that didn't understand that I lacked love for myself. I, but I'm, I will say, I think I was unaware of that because I don't, I don't think that was my issue, but I definitely seeked out, as I said earlier, some of the dysfunction I had seen earlier in my life. This situation didn't have that dysfunction in the friendship part, but obviously this is somebody else's wife, so that in itself makes it dysfunctional, but it was definitely different than any other situation I had. Go ahead, King. I'm sorry. Exactly. Um, And in most most cases, you're not going to be aware of it because um, especially if you wasn't if someone wasn't taught how to love themselves from the from home growing up, then in a way you're unconscious of that. And throughout my years of talking with men, this has always been a common normality amongst them. You know, I've always asked, how many times have you looked yourself in the mirror and said, I love me? You know, and a lot of them have never learned to love themselves. And they find themselves in situations unaware, subconsciously, in situations, uh, dysfunctional situations, situations that from an outside looking in, you'd be like, like, how did you get yourself into that situation? And and when you dig deep, it comes back to the the lack of valuing oneself. Because when you learn to value yourself as a man or a woman, it goes both ways, you, you will be always aware of not to put yourself in situations that will eventually breed dysfunction for you and someone else. So there's a, there's a there's a there's a line that you won't cross yourself because I love me, you know. And so you go through life with that awareness. If you don't have it, then you can find yourself in situations. And a lot of people, probably a lot of people, are not consciously aware of that. And when you don't have, and for us in the African culture, love is basically respect. If you don't have respect for yourself, you always find yourself, like you said in the previous segment, you know, trying to save someone, uh, you know, always trying to do things in a way you mean well, but you go by it in a way that leaves you basically hanging in the end. I hope that was I can understand that. Um, Stephanie, any thoughts on, on what Either whether my situation or what you're hearing, yeah, you know how he sees it or how you see the situation. Go ahead, boy. Um, I mean, I agree with um, I agree with him as far as you know, do not, us not understanding the concept until later on in life, um, and how that can be, you know, somewhat destructive in our future relationships, but um. I'll, I'll leave it at that. 
I'll leave it at that. Uh, I'll, I know we're going to get enough. into no. a little bit more Yeah, yeah, we're going to so yeah, leave definitely, it definitely. Yeah. And we got a caller, too. We got a caller, too. So I'll, I'll say this as a slight pushback, yeah, and again, it's just, you know, I, you know, I don't want the whole show to be about me. I'm just using some of my own personal stuff to, you know, dialogue about mm-hmm. it. Um, the slight pushback for me is uh, I remember one time in college um, I had a friend. I was I listened to uh, uh, some Farrakhan speeches when I was in college, right? And so on one of the particular um, sermon, it was a I don't know if he called it a sermon or whatever. But on this one particular sermon, he talked about the idea of courting a woman. Again, keep in mind, I'm still going to resort back to this nice guy guy. I'm not saying the nice guy is right. I'm just telling you it was a part of my persona. And, again, I only displayed it for people I really cared about, if you will, my, you know, the woman that I considered my best friend and my girl, if you will. But I was listening to him talking about the idea of courting, and it was kind of foreign to me because, obviously, in a sense, we don't court in this generation. And so he was breaking it down. I remember listening to that sermon and saying to one of my best friends that I had listened to that sermon, and I remember saying to one of my best friends in college saying, wow, I wonder if a woman could entreat me enough to court her where sex isn't at the forefront because I, that's the thought coming up in this generation. And I was like, could a woman do that? And so, again, I'm not saying there wasn't a lack of love for myself in there, but, but I'm just kind of alluding to the situation was so different. Again, we were you know, kind of friends for obvious reasons, and, and at the end of the day probably shouldn't have been friends because of what it led to. But in the friendship, I had had that, that back-of-the-thought experience with this woman where I had become friends and gotten to know her in ways I typically didn't get to know women. And it intrigued me to the point where I had feelings prior to ever having sexual relationships, which was a very unique thing. And, I, again, I just think it kind of connects to that thought because I was so intrigued to hear, you know, a Farrakhan mention hey, that people used to court women and actually decide to marry a woman strictly off courting. And I remember thinking, wow, that's so amazing because I didn't grow up in that generation. Let's get to the caller, and I'll let you respond um, literally out of the break. Unfortunately, it'll be a little while before you can respond to it, yeah. Okay. Area code 770-93-421. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. Hey, Montoya, it's April. Hey, Queen. I'm glad to get Hey, I'm going to keep you on for as long as you let me keep you on. <laughs> I'm great. You guys are doing a a wonderful job. I definitely love the topic. How how is everybody doing? Doing well, Queen. Can you stay on? I mean that. I'm not playing because you're one of my queens of intellect. I'm going to keep you on if you let me. All right, go ahead, Queen. I just want to get you you on duty before you even say what you got to say. All right, go ahead, Queen. Go ahead. I'm sorry. (laughs) Okay, so, so just to dovetail off of of the topic and I I did think that it was really important to make this distinction because I'm 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 the for those that don't know me I'm I'm a behavioral scientist I I typically work in the corporate arena but behavior is behavior anyway right and if you're coming from the behavioral end of this it's really important to separate the idea of pride the idea of self-esteem and the idea of love right Love is more based on on value and and concept of boundaries in addition to those concepts of, you know, having male pride and having high self-esteem, right? And an indicator Mm -hmm. of loving yourself would be be being able to recognize that there is a level of unavailability there, right? And loving oneself would say, well, 
as much as I'm feeling this, as much as I, there is a level of unavailability here. Do I mm-hmm. deserve to attach myself to someone who cannot be available to reciprocate what I'm receiving? So that, that would be an indicator of being able to apply mm, that love makes to oneself as opposed to that concept of saying, yeah, I mean, I look in the mirror. I know I look good. I know I'm smart. I know I have a lot to offer. Right. So that's, that's definitely right. self-awareness, right? Definitely a, mm-hmm. a level of self-awareness, definitely high self-esteem, definitely a level of pride. But does that automatically translate to loving oneself? Not exactly, because it has to also be in practicum. And having those boundaries there are clear indicators of being able to utilize that and make personal choices based on those boundaries. So I, I wanted to make sure that I, I cleared that up there as well. Yeah, that's actually very much clarity because it asked and explains exactly what Yale was saying, so I understand completely now. We are at the top of the break, but since we're keeping you, you can say your other thought coming out of break. How about that? So thanks for coming on, Queen. Sure, sure. Uh, for everybody out there, this is, um, April Bond, she is one of our queens of intellects that I typically try to bring on a, a queen's Queen, to make sure that I have a woman balancing out the show. We just didn't get it worked out today. So I'm going to keep her for this, as long as she lets me for this next hour. We are at the top of the break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Have you heard about that podcast, Mental Dialogue? It's so good, it should be illegal. But if you miss the live show every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Blog Talk Radio, be sure to catch replays on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, and all other streaming platforms. We are the return of Intelligent Radio, and we are the best in the world at having hard conversations on race, sex, gender, and business in the African-American community. And remember, all I ask is that you think. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guests just picked up on the line, co-host April Bond. Thank you, Queen, for coming on with me and staying with us. Special guest on Nicole and as well as Yale Sasa Ekpo. I think you were saying something else in addition to helping me understand, like you said, the difference between me having pride and self-esteem. But, yes, considering and making myself available in that situation clearly indicates some of what you're talking about. Go ahead, Quinn. Yeah, yeah, and, and that, that was essentially the, the summation of it, right, is 
being able to take those definitely pertinent concepts and then apply them not just practically towards other people, but apply them with yourself. And a clear sense of that is understanding where healthy boundaries lie, right? And if you're you're wanting to make yourself available to someone who clearly cannot, uh, based on circumstances, be available, subconsciously you, you recognize that, right? Subconsciously, because you know that there's this hard boundary here, this person's married. That, that is a hard boundary. Can they be available to me, even if they're attempting to be emotionally available to me? Can they be as available as I am? Are they capable of reciprocating exactly what it is that I can give them? Well, no. So then there's a, another subconscious decision there. Is do I continue and have this deficit and just see where it lies? And uh, the decision subconsciously to move forward then kind of diminishes what that personal value is in your boundaries. So I, I, if I'm not mistaken, I'm thinking that that's what the, the good, uh, good therapist there is uh, re- referencing. And in that aspect, I would, I would definitely agree, especially beha- on a behavioral concept perspective. It would be how you nah. apply those personal boundaries for value right. of yourself. No, nah, it makes 100% sense. And let me even give a little more context because, again, I, I admitted that this show would be why I wasted a decade. And this was, to a degree, a part of it because, again, it was a year of friendship, as I've mentioned, very unique in how I'd approached anyone else. Get a couple, spent a couple of years in the situation and eventually uh, makes the smart decision to, you know, dedicate to a family. Uh, you know, and, and what I considered love at the time was enough to say, yeah, let me let you do that because I, quote, unquote, love you enough. Again, this is how I see love at the time. And so uh, what also ended up adding to it, again, this is, you know, and again, while you're going through it, you don't realize it. I can look back on it. And so got about a three-year scenario, but for a couple of years, anybody I attempted to date thereafter, I was seeking what I had in that situation, even though that situation was you know, you know, by agreement, we both had stopped it, had nixed it completely to a degree. And so, you know, the next couple of years, I still try to date people, and I still held on to some version of what I had in that scenario. And I had a good friend say to this to say this to me, and it was very key, and kind of what finally moved me out of that space. So again, this is a five-year scenario, so that's a that's a half of the decade for for this show we're talking about, right? But a friend says to me, "Do you realize?" By not having the situation and it having been, you know, good, you know, good for whatever, you know, you could consider good in that scenario. But she says, do you do not realize you never experienced a down? You only got together if things were highlighted. And so you have a you have this person placed on a pedestal that's, that you could not place anyone else on because you're going to have an everyday experience with them versus someone you are only getting together at optimal times woke me up to how crazy it was for me to continue to compare others to her. So, again, we're going deep with the psychology, but it took me years to realize, you know, I always say now, it's the two years after her, it was, it's, you know, it's lucky that none of those women tied up with me because I had a couple who wanted to. I chose not to. Um, I'll go right back to you, April. I know you just jumped back on here. I'm going to let everybody jump in, and then we'll go to the call. Yeah, yeah. I, I always call that love on vacation, right? You always get that, that <laughs> best part, that fun part, right? That's love on vacation. That's not real life, day-to-day, you know, washing your, your, your sheets and your drawers and cooking and 
bills. That's not that. So uh, your your friend gave you some very very sage advice, and in all honesty, especially when it comes to recognizing dysfunction and changing those behaviors, it takes time. It's not something that just happens overnight. Even when you become cognizant, even when you become aware of it, it still takes incremental steps to to get there because that attachment, mm-hmm. based on how long it was, it's, it's still very strong, it's very real, it's very visceral, mm-hmm. and, and you should at least pat yourself on the back for not only being able to be cognizant of it, but then start taking those steps to move in a direction that really followed and aligned better with where you saw your values. Now, I thank that queen dearly because you actually like said it wasn't, it wasn't immediate. It wasn't immediate. It definitely was waking me up to it and stepping out of it. Stephanie, any thoughts? I'm sorry. Go ahead, queen. <laughs> no, no thoughts. You, you guys are rocking it. I'm just, I'm here to listen and learn now. I can respect uh, it. Yeah, um, jump. Yeah, jump back in. Um, like I said, clearly the queen April just square. You know, made me clear on what you were saying prior to the break. But I don't know if you want to jump in where we're at now. Go ahead, King. Yeah, it just it just. I mean, she basically uh, reaffirmed what I was saying, and it, it it brings me back to a problem we have back home that a man who is shallow in his steps will one day drown in quicksand. Basically, what that problem is saying is that. You know, if you're not self-aware, if you don't have that respect for yourself, or in the West, they would say love for yourself, then you will find yourself in situations that will drown you. So you find yourself feeling love for a woman, and then you, like you say, you put her on a pedestal, okay? Yet, like April said, you wasn't available for that. At the same time, the same woman you put on a pedestal and was comparing with other women, she herself was dysfunctional because she herself stepped, out, stepped away from her own marriage to be with you showing her lack of respect and self-awareness for herself so it just shows how deep the dysfunction can go when at the core of ourselves we don't truly know how to respect and be aware of our own self to set those boundaries now makes sense let's go to the caller Area code four seven eight last three three zero three. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. Peace, family. How's everyone? Hey, how you doing, King? This is my man, sincere for everybody. Um, um, let me give a little background. This brother is a very thorough uh, relationship coach in the area, definitely helping a lot of people succeed. So I'm gonna give that background so that you don't just skip over that when you give us your three cents, because I know it's going to be dope and, and, and mean something this morning. Go ahead, King. Thank you for calling in. Hey, all right, brother. I appreciate you, and uh, peace to the family. Um, uh, first, I want to say thank you for being transparent, because uh, that's, that's, that's tough for a lot of us men to do, and I know that we're working with uh, a number of couples and a number of brothers. Uh, so, so I'll take this moment to be transparent myself. Uh, not to get into too much of, uh, not to get into too much client information, but um, what everyone was saying in reference to self-love, um, through the understanding that discipline is the highest level of self-love, um, we have to attack that with a level of understanding. Uh, I did a number of things in my past before I was happily married uh, that led me down a rabbit hole. 
uh, where karma had to come back and deal with me and show me some things through reflection that I needed to clean up to be able to get to this point. So, so without that discipline, uh, it's easy to have that standard or those boundaries become blurry. Uh, so instead of solid lines, uh, we have uh, perforated or uh, uh, broken lines. And um, so through that, through that process, my biggest revelation is that uh, okay, even though I had uh, discipline as far as my business was concerned and that type of thing, but when it came to connection with women, that's when the discipline went out the window. So, so I had to uh, discover, okay, my self-love in this area needs some serious attention for me to be able to reach the next level. So, so we often hear that, and, and it, uh, it's almost an arrow to the heart uh, because it's tough to kind of wrap our arms around and our mind around at first. Uh, but then when you understand that, hey, I'm human, uh, this is an opportunity to grow, and this is, uh, this is an opportunity for me to be something better or greater. I absolutely appreciate those thoughts. And you're right, that is the transition. Um, and let me throw this out real quick, Cecilia, and a quick thought on it before you go. Um, mm-hmm. To a degree, coming up in this hip-hop generation, a lot of times we have to find that on our own, right? And so what I think happens quite often, to see what you think of this, is if we are having to find it on our own because we necessarily wasn't modeled at home, and I'll say specifically for us as men, is a lot of times we, we go through the process you just said a lot later. And so to a degree, I I think it is safer for our queens, if you will, to deal with us a little later in in life. So once we started figuring some of that out, especially if we wasn't, again, fortunate enough to have it modeled at home and come from, for example, generations of marriages, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? So quick thought on that, yeah. um, in, in, in that thought process, I think it's usually better for women to wait till we've gotten into our 30s, mid-30s even, or higher, to, 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 to experience and getting that type of discipline when it comes to our, to our women in a lot of cases. Any thoughts on that? Oh, absolutely. Um, I've taken a look at uh, multiple studies um, that, that say that uh, most men are not mature until they're in their early 40s. Uh, for some, that doesn't happen at all. Uh, based on that level of awareness. And um, w- w- with women, it's more so in the mid-30s or so. So, so that, would, that would be uh, absolutely on point generally. Um, but it's all, of course, uh, there's exceptions to every rule. And course, uh, based on a brother's level of awareness, uh, that's going to uh, specifically determine what you have in front of you. No, absolutely. Thank you for the thoughts, Queen King. We are up against the break, so we'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. If you are a small business owner, do you and your accountant implement a tax strategy to pay quarterly taxes throughout the year, or do you wait until the end of year during tax season to write off all expenses to lower your taxable income? If this is you, stop. Call Bennett Tax and Accounting today. With over 15 years of experience working with major companies, this boutique firm has opened up to show small business owners how to strategize like the major companies and position themselves for growth with not only effective tax strategies, but also specializing in new business formation, bookkeeping services, cash flow management, 
payroll and business evaluation to secure bank financing. Basically, all the things you need but have kept putting off. But those days are over. Bennett Tax and Accounting to the rescue. Contact them at 770-545-2145 and ask for run. Again, 770-545-2145 and let them save you from yourself. Come together. You know, I think everyone has gone past their differences. Yes. Doc has a lot of baby mamas. I mean, mothers of his children, as he likes to call it. Four of us to be exact. But what's unique about our situation is that we figured out that it's better for us to support each other than to fight each other. At least once a year, we get together with Doc and sometimes the kids, and we celebrate our blended family. So you started, you're like the... The Empress. We were young when we met each other. So, of course, 14 years later, we have a beautiful, healthy, handsome son. How and about then that? you, Miss Alex, became the yeah, <laughs> wifey. I, I, how about that? After her 14 years and our 15 years. And then me and Miss Carla. Clear <laughs> this one up for me, please. We please clear this up. We had our little moments. Yes, it's been a journey. It's just been a journey. We God became, good. We became we the mother of four. Yes. Oh, but, yeah, it's um, definitely been a journey. It's all good. Fatima is the OG. Alex is the only one who managed to get wife stuff. And Carla and I were pregnant at the same time. So things between us were tough. But ultimately, we're all strong and intelligent and independent women who just happen to fall in love and have babies with a guy who disappointed all of us. On that note, let's turn up a little bit. Let's have a toe. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's discussion question, love and hip-hop, why I wasted a decade chasing love, special guest co-host is April Bond, our special guest, Abana Nicole, as well as Yael Sasa Ekpo. As we hear one of the many dysfunctional situations you are here on the show that myself and Stefana both have put on record to say we hate that show. I literally do. I can't. I have to admit this. However, what I'm pulling out of that show for this morning's discussion is the idea of what you hear at the end when the young lady says, hey, we all fell in love, and here we ended up in this this, this crazy blended family. And the highlight to me is the concept of what we see love as, as well as I've, you know, been transparent and admitted my situation for the, in the, in the, for the first half of my decade. I'll get into maybe some of my other half later. Uh, but starting there, um, this is what we're learning in this generation. We're doing a lot of things for love and ending up in these scenarios. And I think that, in my opinion, could be part of the problem. Yeah, I think I'm going to start with you on this one, King. Any thoughts? Uh, when I heard that clip, it's basically just piggyback off of the previous segment, just lack of of um, self-love, self-awareness, self-respect. Um, you, you find yourself in situations where because of that lack of love, you don't know how to set boundaries. So kids are being born without first being married. You know, and then we just not, you know, throw it up as an experience. You know, I had to go through this, and I think we, we kind of hide behind using those terms to make ourselves feel better about it, but at the end of the day, still dysfunctional, you know, because the next generation suffers from that, you know, so I think that that's that's my take on that. Yeah, and we can, and we can keep 
in a sense, easily sliding out. I mean, if you want to, you know, we'll use that. And I, don't, I love using that word as well. So, yeah, it's dysfunctional. That's the obvious part. Uh, for me, I think part of it, you know, again, we're, you know, correct on the lack of self-love, this lack of self-boundary. Like, those are, kind of sense, easy to assess. I would also add, from a cultural standpoint, that we're allowing love, the concept of love, if you will, to lead us down some of this dysfunctional past. Like when I heard, for example, Sincere just a minute ago say he, he would handle his, his discipline, work well in his business, his discipline worked well in other parts of his life. But when it came to women, he went through a period where he wasn't as disciplined. Um, you know, me as a man, guilty of that myself. And I think that I became guilty of it. Cause obviously, you know, obviously getting the proper self-love probably would have had to act different. I would say in addition to that, though, it's the concept of chasing love. Like, as bad as I may, and, and, and when I, you know, when I say um, that I wouldn't spend money on women, well, I still, I've never been mean to women or anything like that. I just wouldn't take them out on dates, right or wrong. That's just what I would do for a lot of years of my life. Um, you know, but, but I, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to justify that, but I'm highlighting that I treated what I considered in my mind, those women that way, because they wasn't, quote, unquote, worthy of my love is how I saw it, right? And then when I had a girlfriend, she was worthy of the showering of my love, and I'm saying that all of it was in the pursuit of this fairy tale feeling that I thought was what needed to be there the most. Matter of fact, let me share this, and I'll give both the ladies' thoughts on this. But prior to the scenario I just told y'all about with the, you know, with the married sister, I had dated a sister who, um, who was pretty much wanting us to get married. That was the situation or whatever. And I remember going to an older woman, and, and there was a lot of good things about the scenario, but I didn't ha- – and you dated. Um, it was my only – kind of my only long-distance relationship I'd ever had, you know, where she lived about four hours. I was here in Atlanta trying to make it in the music industry at the time. And, you know, I had to give too much backdrop. But either way, I was dealing with her. It was, you know, she had my back, but I didn't have that tip. And so I went to the older ladies, and I said – Hey, I, I, I actually said, this is actually what I said to the ladies. I said, she's wonderful in this sense, this sense, this sense. You know, and, you know, wasn't, you know, wasn't, you know, everybody got checks on one side and, you know, negatives on another side, but the negatives wasn't that bad compared to all the things that she checked off. What I said to the older ladies was, but I'm concerned that I don't have that, that it feeling for her. And those old, those elder ladies told me, don't do it if you don't have that it. Now, I don't know if I still at this point in my life feel like I regret missing out on her because I took their advice. But here, I am, 47, never been married. And again, had a couple of women who wanted to, but I was looking for this fairy tale it that as I explained to y'all, like just now I understand due to my own lack of self-love is how I was able to get wrapped up in that situation and, and, and love that, you know, that sister. Oh, go ahead, go, jump in. Yeah, go ahead and jump in, please. Oh no! I was gonna say I w- what I would say to that is something that I have observed, you know, that I that I think is probably a, a pen- epidemic going on, especially today, is that where we we view love as a drug. We try to get high off of it, off of that emotional high, and and that's why we see so many relationships today are very short, you know, three months, six months, nine months, maybe a year. They're on to the next person. Because they're constantly chasing that initial euphoria, that initial high 
when they get with somebody and they use it as a drug, makes you feel good. Then once that once that fades out, there's nothing there because you don't you know you don't know anything after that high. So you on to the next. You you always chasing. It's more like you're chasing a high. You know you you're chasing that like you said feel good that it that next hit. You know and 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 that's where that that wrong concept of of love that you that you talked about that you know you know we embrace. And so we carry that on into our life, always chasing to feel that special high, that fantasy high, not realizing that true love, true organic love, it's not really a high. It's all about a mutual, practical respect of coming together, courtship, and building something, having a life partnership. You're building something that's bigger than you, instead of it being about And that's something that I've only come to understand honestly, in the last five years of my life and partly why I did this show. Ladies, ever guilty of what I'm talking about or what are your perspective on it? Because, again, I think that's playing a role. Obviously, we need to work on our own dysfunction, but, however, I think we have to highlight, in my opinion, how where we place this, this as he says, this, this drug of love on the, in, in this place and how it's adding to the dysfunction as well. Any thoughts from um, either of you? Well, yeah. Piggybacking off of that, there actually is a term for that high. It's called limerence. It, it is that high, giddy, there is a chemical reaction happening in your brain that's similar to, you know, taking a hit from any potent drug. It truly is. And it, that, that term is called limerence. And it can last up to two years. So anything under that time frame, can be connected to limerence, and he's absolutely right. That is why a lot of relationships will fail because limerence starts to wear off after year two, and then you you have to look at each other and say, okay, how do we operate? How do we function now that limerence is kind of going up and down and fading downhill? Because you're then left with one another. Uh, but I would like to go back to uh, that very cringy clip. Because, of course, it, it gave me true Michelle Obama stank face, like, every time I hear that. So there, there are two parts that, that make me cringe. First is that he has this harem of baby mamas who are now saying, okay, we're being the bigger person and uh, creating a club for him. And, yes, definitely a lack of self-discipline on his end. Definitely uh, a little more uh, lack of boundaries on their end, but there was this one part of the clip that really made my skin crawl where the young lady's talking, I think that's baby mama number five, Cena, and she says, one of them managed to get wifed up, and that made my ears perk, managed. So, <laughs> what you ladies think this dude is the prize? He's got 50, 11 baby mamas, 50, 11 kids, and he's the prize? She you ain't pull out 50 limbs on them. Hey, these people out here listening don't know nothing about 50 limbs. That 50 limbs now, that's, you know, that's old school southern right there now. They don't know nothing about no 50 limbs now. Because he showed up, got, now, now if he ain't got 50 limbs, Future definitely got 50 limbs. Yeah, exactly. Again, uh, when did this person become the prize? I do not understand why she said she made it seem like she had won gold at the Olympics. Well, not really if he got, like, an additional set of double doublement twins afterwards, or uh, down here they call them project twins when they're not married and they're born around the same time. At the same 
time. He still kept having babies, and that was the status. That was the status amongst all the baby mamas was she's the honored one because she managed to get a, a ring and a commitment that clearly meant little to nothing. And if I'm not mistaken, in that same clip, she had not divorced him. She was still with him just to make sure she held on to that title for paperwork. And it, it's, it's mind-boggling that all of this is done, and what is reinforcing is that this dude is the prize. They don't see themselves as the prize. They're clamoring and fighting for this man and all his level of dysfunction and toxicity to acknowledge them as the chosen one. And and I, I I have a hard time understanding what the appeal is to that. Like I, I know it in the psychological sense, and then when I just put on my regular April hat, I, 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 I no, I'm sorry, I don't. All I I'll say this is, is I'm glad you said it, Queen, because I can't beat up get beat up for saying it. Go ahead, Stephanie. Uh, got a minute and a half before break. Go ahead and jump in real quick, Queen. I love her, um, and she I echo all of her sentiments. It's one of those things where. She's holding on because she could claim that she was the first, right? I was not only the first baby mm-hmm. mama, I was the only wife. And, like, that is some type of badge of honor. And this man has created and spread his seed across all of the state of Georgia. But that was another mm-hmm. thing that I, and I made in a Facebook post yesterday. And, of course, I'm getting so much slack, but I knew it. I was ready for it. You know, Nick Cannon is just as toxic as Future. Oh, yeah. He has six. He has six kids with three different women, and he is not married to any of them now. He was only married to one, and that was Mariah because she had the big bank, okay? And mm-hmm. after that, mm-hmm. he didn't he's – creating, he's creating broken family, and people don't understand the concept of that. And Jock is the same way. You are creating broken and damaged families in the black community that you quote-unquote claim that you're trying to unite and you're trying to bring together. How were you leaving all of these broken homes? Well, he got money. He can take care of them. Just because you have money doesn't mean you're taking care of your children. You're not spending any physical time with them. You're not emotionally invested in them. You're not, you're not cultivating great children or great humans of society when all they know is, well, today's my day of the week. I get to spend time with my daddy. Like, that's not how they work. Maybe he can clone himself so that he can be that, – that, I think that might be the, the notion is that he can make multiple as, – as he's single-handedly raising the population on his own, because clearly he sees there's, there's a need there to raise. I mean, what would we do without – Fifty-eleven jocks or futures or Nick right. Cannon. The, the world would suffer from the lack of their greatness, I, I guess. Right. The only thing he can do is hire assistant to help assistant take care of his kids because you can't be in you can't be in six, eight, nine, ten places at one time. It's just not possible. So I don't understand how we as a black community don't fighting. understand that this is not good. And I'm sure the kids are probably, whenever they're there, they're they're doing that same mentality of, like, I'm the chosen one because he's with me. Whomever the one he's spending the most time with, they get to repeat that cycle of value as being the chosen one. I'm the favorite child. Yeah, we're up against the break. We'll come back out of the break and listen to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Hey. Where did you get that hat and t-shirt? I like that. 
Oh, I got this at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes. And I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit. And what I like the most, it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Or how about this one? Excuses made zero dollars an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. And everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk, talk. They still know with me. Because I look like money, smell like money, talk like money. <laughs> For details to become a sponsor of Mental Dialogue, visit Facebook at Mental Dialogue or call Montoya Smith at 404-604-9477. That's 404-604-9477. Mental Dialogue, where all I ask is that you think, that you think, that you think. That's actually why people get married, you know, just so you know. Because this is built into marital vows. I'm not leaving ever, no matter what. It's like, okay, well, that definitely puts a boundary around our arguments, right? Because I can't say every time you manifest one of your flaws, which you're likely to do just as often as me, well, enough of this. It's like, that's horrible, man. If your whole life is, well, every time you get out of line, I'm, I'm out of here like how the hell are you first of all you're not going to admit to ever doing anything wrong second you're going to be on your you're like a like a scared cat the entire relationship because well who knows it could just come to an end at any moment it's like you know people say well if you're if the possibility of divorce is open it makes you free it's like yeah that's what you want you want to be free eh really really so you can't predict anything that's what you're after it's a vow and it says, look, I know that you're trouble. Me too. So we won't leave, no matter what happens. Well, that's a hell of a vow, but that's why it's a vow, right? That's why you take it in front of a bunch of people. That's why it's supposed to be a sacred act. It's like, what's the alternative? What's the alternative? Everything is mutable and changeable at any moment. Well, go ahead. You live, you live your life like that and see what you're like when you're 50. Jesus, it's dismal. Two or three divorces, your family's fragmented, you've got no continuity of narrative, it's, and it's not good for the kids, not by any stretch of the imagination. And so it's a form of voluntary enslavement, I suppose, but it's also equivalent to the adoption of a responsibility, and there's more to it than that. If you can't run away, then you can solve your problems, because it might be, okay, well, I'm stuck with you, so how about we fix things? Because the alternative is we're going to be in a boxing match for the next 40 years. That's the alternative. So, and you think you're going to fix problems without something like that hanging over your head? There isn't a chance. You'll just avoid them because that's what people do. It's really hard to, to solve problems, especially in a relationship. We're having a fight and I find out that it's, you know, because you're, you were abused by your uncle when you were five or some goddamn thing. You know, it's like, it's very frequent that that sort of thing happens. You, there's, there's the partner, your partner's 
you know, manifesting some weird anomalous behavior. You just can't make heads or tails of it. It doesn't seem related to what you're doing at all. They don't want to talk about it. And so as soon as you bring it up, they get mad. And then you bring it up again, they even get madder, and they tell you that you're not going to talk about that or they're going to leave. And so maybe you're really, really persistent because you're kind of a son of a bitch, and then they break down and cry, you know? And then they have this horrible memory that comes flooding forward that's completely, you don't know what to do with it, and then you have to sort it out. It's like, you think you're going to do that unless there's a good reason? You have to know, we better sort this out, or we're going to be carrying it around for the next 40 years. That maybe is enough motivation, so you'll actually try hard to solve it. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's discussion question, love and hip-hop, why I wasted a decade chasing love. Special guest co-host April Bond, as well as our special guest, Stefana Nicole, as well as Yael Sasa Ekpo. We hear a long cut from Jordan Peterson, and I intentionally played the longer cut because I feel like it gives us some aspect of what we think we're chasing, as you say, with, or as I've said, admit it, with the love, right? You're chasing this euphoric feeling of love. And without being taught, I think a lot of us are also, in addition to the lack of self-love, that aside. But I think a lot of us have this concept that whoever gives us that feeling the most it can last beyond the two years that we now understand that's all it's going to last, right? But at the most, right? But we have this idea that that's the person we can do it with and we're not told all the stuff we just heard. And and, and the key word in that cut, in my opinion, is the responsibility. Because prior to the last 250 years, humans have been getting married, whether it's under Judeo-Christian laws or in the East who don't care nothing about Judeo-Christian laws, humans have been getting married due to the responsibility to the legacy, and that's the foundation that humans have had since, you know, the, what, 5,000 years, I think, since the first marriage was recorded, if you will, in human history. Uh, but they've been getting married with that as a part of the foundation. I, we, in the last 50 to 70 years, that foundation has been completely lost. Gail, any thoughts, brother? Because I know you talk about this all the time from your traditional African experience. You're constantly talking about how the West doesn't understand that foundation, and I feel like Peterson spoke to a lot of that foundation, and for those who want to have a family or raise a legacy, they have to understand it includes just a little bit of what Peterson talked about in that clip. Go ahead, King. Yeah, it, it, it has been villainized, devalued, and demoralized from my observation to the point to where pe- uh, when you speak of marriage, it's like a tab- taboo. And you can't have a healthy community, a healthy society, if you do- cannot have healthy marriage. Marriage is the nucleus to a successful nation. This is why in the East, not just Africa, other places, marriage is stressed. You cannot grow. You cannot build legacy. You cannot build generational wealth without having marriage. And the lack of value of that creates what we see today when you don't value it. When you come together, you're building something that's bigger than you. So you submit. When two people come together, you submit to that legacy to that 
union. And now everything you do is for the betterment of that. It's not about I or the individualistic. It's about the legacy, us building something that's beyond, bigger, and going to outlive us. You know, and I think once you can get the uh, egotistical aspect out of it and learn to value that, we will have a much healthier society, healthier black community, and we'll have a healthier mindset towards ourselves, and we'll see a much more stronger infrastructure than what we see today. Because the way things are going, if, if, if we don't learn to bring that back, then it's going to get worse and worse and worse. And before you know it, you're just living in a, in a, in a dysfunctional bubble where just as long as you step outside, you, you just swamp by it. Matter of fact, I think I it's a good opportunity. Uh, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Please go ahead. Uh, oh, uh, I, I, I said I love that, uh, that he said that because uh, in reflection of – I've been married and divorced before. I'm remarried now. And the biggest difference in how I approached marriage this time versus before – was that it is more based in a more Afrocentric uh, concept based on, on my uh, religious practices. And what I, the biggest cultural difference that I noticed is that in, in the previous unions, it was more individualistic. It was just about us and everything that was immediate. And now, and I had not considered these things for a partner before, it very much is inclusive of our experience extended families. It goes far beyond us. It goes into our nieces and nephews, our parents, our grandparents. It literally connects us through generations. In our marriage, even in our sacraments, it was very much said that our ancestors, our family lineages were becoming one, right? That was not, those were not concepts that I thought about nor could practice as discipline and value prior to these types of, of mm-hmm. transitions that I took. And uh, I have to say, this is like, this has been one of the most healthiest, balanced uh, relationships I'd ever had. And uh, it would have not been possible. It would not have been possible had I not uh, changed what my approach to marriage was and how that would be, what success looked like for me. Because it, it was very much individualistic. It was very much just about what was um, immediate and internal for just us and anybody that was in our household. And anything beyond that, you know, it just was not part of the concept of what was included in marriage. And, and here, in Western culture, we encourage you to keep everybody else out. That they're not part of this marriage. This marriage is only about us. Where you know, I had to unlearn those things. I had to unpack and unlearn that and begin to value what that looked like. And if I knew I was coming into a situation where it it, it didn't look like it was going to be a good fit or it wouldn't have been a, a right fit, if I had had this concept before, I would never have married those previous individuals because I would. I would have valued what it meant to be able to be fully inclusive generationally so that we would have those really strong roots and foundations to be able to pass down through generations. No, it makes sense. I think this is a perfect time to bring in Stefana. And this is it's not really going in a different direction, but when Yale made the point that 
without marriage being a nucleus to a nation, or as I always just say, even a neighborhood, can't have great neighborhoods without great marriages. Uh, and what I really always say is you can't have great neighborhoods without great families, and the cornerstone of a great family is marriage is what I typically say. Uh, but I think, um, Stefana, you made a, a post um, earlier early in January um, that talked about which became real popular on social media was, you know, kind of how Lori Harvey moved. And I think it's a, a little bit of what Yeah is talking about. If we don't go back to that foundation, we'll see things like this. And I'm going to repeat your words and let you address it and, you know, maybe connect it to this morning's discussion. Uh, but you said, under popular opinion, the, re- the reason why some women, mainly the successful ones, are upset about Lori Harvey is because we were fed the notion that if we were to get success on our own, i.e., go to school, get our things, you know, the whole independent woman thing, that we would attract those type of men, successful men. But those men seem not to go after them, but more so the holes allegedly. So if the road less travel leads to the same success, why did we go down that ask amongst this discussion? Go ahead, Queen. Yeah, so when, <laughs> as you know, that post got, ooh, we were fighting on that one for days. <laughs> the the whole concept was, you know, Lori Harvey is quote unquote a hoe, right? She has had, you know, she's been in relationships with, you know, three four guys within the last couple of years, and she finally snagged the good guy, quote unquote, right? You know, Michael B. Jordan. He he doesn't have any blemishes. He doesn't have any baby mamas. He's never been married before. He's a he's an actor, you know, world renowned actor, and now he's people's, you know, what sexiest man alive, right? And so the they are upset, men and women, to be quite frankly uh, honest about it, because men were calling him simp, and then women were calling Lori Harvey a hoe. Um, the concept about it was how was she able to be with someone of that stature, right? You know, all we know her as is, you know, Steve Harvey's stepdaughter. She doesn't do anything. She, you know, doesn't have her own quote-unquote and, you know, she just looks pretty. So why was she able to, you know, be with someone like him versus a woman like, my, like you know, many other women that were posting, I'm successful, you know, I have my own career, jobs, and everything else like that. Why is it that she's able to stag him and I'm not? Not understanding that it wasn't necessarily that she was snagging him based upon her looks is that she was able to be with someone because of the proximity value. She is from Mm -hmm. an affluent family and that allowed her to be in the circle that she was able to attract someone like that. Again, listen, she is part of an an affluent, uh, affluent family. They know. And so she is able to be in those circles. That's how she was able to be with someone like him, not necessarily just based upon him. I mean, at the end of the day, she's gorgeous. Let's not front. Like, she's not beautiful. She is. But at the end of the day, because she came from a wealthy family, an affluent family, she was able to be in those circles. And so that is why the concept of being part of a family, being a part, having that generational wealth that we always talk about that we want to create and be a part of is so essential as far as creating these dynamic families on top of that. 
that is able to grow it from there. But we that get so caught sense. up in the concept. We get so caught up in the a notion of we got to do it ourselves that that's what ends up happening. And I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. No, here's a mistake. We're up against the break. We'll be right back. Yeah, we're up against the break. We'll get onto it when we come back. All I ask is that you think. LNG Technology Services, we are your industry leader in aircraft and heavy equipment repair services. In commercial business for over 15 years, LNG technicians have over 150 years of equipment-specific knowledge and are known industry-wide for returning worn-out, broken, and overused ground support equipment back to the user in working better than new conditions. For a service job done right at a value unparalleled in the industry, contact LNG Technology Services at 478-781-4860. Again, for a service job done right, that number is 478-781-4860. LNG Technologies is a Mental Dialogue Gold member and proud sponsor of the Mental Dialogue community. My name is Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. I am the owner and facilitator of the Mental Dialogue Community Support Group focused on practical solutions and the collective thinking of the black community. We do that one of two ways, every third Friday, 7 p.m. at Urban Grind, or Saturday mornings, the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Contact us at mentaldialogue.com or on Facebook at Mental Dialogue. All I ask is that you think. The rest of your life. See, there's some there's some additional problems with divorce that people don't really grasp when they're young. Like the idea that you can be divorced once you have children, that's kind of a stupid idea. Because you can't. You can you can you can find a limited substitute for your initial freedom. But if you if you have kids and you try to get divorced, the probability that that's gonna demolish your life is very, very high. First of all, it's incredibly expensive. So one or both of you is going to come out of that poor. And your market value has declined. Let's say you're the woman who takes the kids. Your market value has declined radically. You're going to be poorer. The man, he's just as screwed because he is now an indentured servant and there's no escape from it. So it's and it's not so bad if you can negotiate a peaceful separation, and some people can, but lots of times if you have a terrible relationship, it's not like negotiating a peaceful separation is all that easy. But if you're at each other's throats, good luck to you. I think it's roughly equivalent to having non-fatal cancer. It is not pleasant. It's a 10-year process, 15-year process. It'll cost you $250,000, and it'll tear a big chunk out of your life. And also, it will really disrupt your relationship with your kids. And, you know, you, you bring kids into a step-parent family, they do not do as well. Step-parents are not as good parents as biological parents, and the data on that is clear. Now, obviously, there are exceptions, because there are terrible biological parents, and there are wonderful step-parents. But if you look in aggregate, it's not that easy to care for children. You need everything you can binding you to them. And if they're someone else's children, mostly they get in the way of the person that you love, right? Well, if I'm, let's say you have a child, I'll be right out. Let's say you have a child and I want to go out with you. Every second you spend with that child is the second you don't spend with me. And, and there's going to be a price for that. I'm not going to be happy about that. 
and, and if I have a child, you're going to feel exactly the same way. You might say, well, no, I love children. It's like, yeah, yeah, sure. Sure you do. I doubt it. You might love your child. And, and you know, it's pretty specific the way that people love children. So, and the rate of abuse for kids in step-parent families is way higher than it is in biological families. There's not even any comparison. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with Queens of Intellect special guest co-host April Bond, as well as our special guests, Gail Tasa Ekpo and Stefana Nicole. I think, um, April, you were saying something before the break, so go ahead, April. Oh, I'm sorry. I got to bring her live. I'm sorry. Uh, muted her real quick. Sorry about that. Uh, go ahead, April. Sorry about that. <laughs> No problem. I, I was saying that Stefana actually is on point. So there is a social uh, theory where we talk about uh, how you get access to partners and, and love theory. And the biggest indicator of who you're going to have access to as a partner isn't anything else other than proximity. We literally say proximity breeds liking, right? And Lori Harvey is coming from an echelon where she has access. It's only about access and proximity, and not for nothing, but in all honesty, if you just kind of take away the double standard of, you know, her and him, is she any more of a hoe than he is when you constantly see him on boats? With, I mean, everyone had uh, been saying, hey, this dude doesn't even like black women, right? That had been the, the running joke for many, many years, that he was going through every flavor of the rainbow, and no one ever called right. him a hoe, right? They don't. They have. They're equal in education. They're equal in economic status, and they're equal equal in notoriety. The only difference is that he's been acting. That's it. That's it. But if you just looked at them on paper, they look absolutely equal. Absolutely equal. So then we have to look at ourselves and say, well, where is this bias coming from? Why is she a hoe, but he operates the exact same way, and he's like the most eligible bachelor in. America, and, and we have this, this, and I saw it from women that I would never have expected to have this really visceral reaction to him, quote, unquote, choosing her. Like, why didn't he choose me? Because she gets to, she's in the same tax bracket, and she gets to see him <laughs> on, a, on a regular basis. They probably are around each other a lot, and they get to see each other. But more importantly, why are you having this visceral reaction to her versus uh, looking at him in the same vein, because there isn't very much difference between the two of them, right? And and it says a lot about what it is that we value, I think, in our communities, that that, that visceral reaction is just so strong, that, or calling him a simp because he's he wants to be with her and that he has to fight to prove the value of her when his value is just instantaneously granted. Um, yeah, any thoughts to those comments? Uh, I would I would I would go and say that um for women out there and for men, you know, um uh, in, in their situation, as far as I know they haven't got married. So no. until they they get married, she hasn't truly snagged him and he hasn't truly picked her. Okay. So right now they're not married. So something to be determined if that really sticks. You know, because that's how you really make mm-hmm. your your move. That's how you show a woman, hey, you're mine. I'm marrying you. That's how you show, hey, I got this guy. He married me. 
you know, I think that's what we have to bring back the value of marriage because just being with someone is just one thing. Marrying them is where you actually start to build something bigger than you. So I'm going to say something right now in reference to what you just said that could literally be a whole nother show. So y'all only got about three minutes, ladies, to jump in on this. But, again, if we've all – if I think for the most part we're kind of concluding – in a sense, the value of marriage at this point, obviously I brought it up intentionally for this last 30 minutes of the show, uh, you know, from where we were going. Uh, but as you heard Peterson kind of break down what marriage is really, really like, uh, uh, but the value in it versus ending up, as I told, yeah, I wanted him to come on this show because you know, I'm willing to admit at 47, I want to make sure that young men are not ending up at 47, and again, not that I can't still get married. I do plan to get married. I want to get married. But at the same time, I would like to see young men get away from chasing the youth or listening to what they're hearing in hip-hop and understanding the value in making sure their children are raised in scenarios to be better than what they had. And to continue to repeat that cycle doesn't make it better for the next generation. And money alone ain't enough, as these ladies have pointed out with some of the toxic situations they pointed out. How, and I'm, I'm not going to say however, but what I would like to add to it, and this is not an original thought. Um, I got this from Ro Cattino, um, kind of a controversial person to a lot of people or whatever, but there's some truth in this that I've never thought about until she shared it with me, which was a big part of my paradigm shift of understanding the responsibility of what I should be you know, bring it in a sense as a man to the table, if you will. But one thing that she said is the trick of boyfriend and girlfriend, that that is a huge trick in the in this era, in this hip-hop generation. Yep. You know, even though it's been going on long, but she said it's a huge trick because it's only in the favor of us as men. And here's why. And I never thought about it until she said it, and I had to own it because I, I always accept the truth even when I don't, you know, not aware of it or don't like it. And this is not something that I dislike. I just had never thought about it. She says, at the end of the day, the reason that boyfriend-girlfriend commitments are a trick is because every man subconsciously understands if he finds his wife, he can leave that girl. That's something that he subconsciously understands. I myself have been loyal in my boyfriend-girlfriend situations, but when I thought about her putting that to me, had I found my wife, even though I was loyal or whatever I thought to be my wife, and I've seen people do this for real, have a longtime boyfriend, girlfriend, and end up wifing someone very quickly because that's how they see that woman as a man. And so boyfriend, girlfriend is a big trick since every man subconsciously realizes if I find my wife, I will wife her, usually within three to six months. Any thoughts on that yet? I heard you say something, so I want to give um, you a thought on. Oh yeah, um, yeah. I would. I would. We only got agree. ninety seconds. Sorry, I, that I took it up, but I just, I just heard you say something, so I want you to let, get a, get a quick thought in, just so you know. Yeah, I definitely agree that uh, a lot of women are tricked by that, and a lot of men are, have tricked themselves and tricked women to that. You have to marry the person. Just being with someone, it doesn't have to be a courthouse marriage. You can go traditional ritual route, but there has to be something that that brings the families together that you're building something that's bigger than you, and that's how you bring your children into a healthy generational wealth environment that builds legacy. Now, absolutely. Uh, Stefan, as a guest, I'll give you one quick thought if you want to share. We've got about a minute. 
Also, if you want to share, I know you have a business as well, so if you want to share your contact information, do that as well with your last thought. No, I just want to tell people, you know, before getting into relationships, be a whole person yourself. Don't go in it looking for someone to complete you. Do the self-work, the self-love, the self-care in order to go into a relationship um, fully whole and creating healthy, dynamic relationships um, throughout the world. Absolutely. Thank you for that thought. We've got about 20 seconds, April, if you want to throw something out. Thank you, Queen. i, I got to take care of you for jumping in and hanging, hanging on for an hour with us. So thank you, Queen. No problem. So, yep, uh, just piggybacking off of all of that and say, say no to struggle, love. Say no. No, I can dig it. And the last thought I'll say about that last thought is you, you, you can't cheat unless you're married. And that's the reality to that boyfriend, girlfriend, and the trick of it. Like, under, like, like, like literally, that's what she's bringing to the table. Like, you, nobody can cheat. Nobody can cheat. Amen. It's something we got to think about in this generation. If we think about how we're going about it, it'll change everything. With that said, we gone. All I ask is that you think.